0: One day, two of Houston's finest young men found themselves in an interesting predicament. Fresh out of college with no job. Although they graduated with honors from a respected university, no one wanted to hire them. They begged and pleaded for jobs with every major media outlet in the city, but to no avail. Eventually, they found one another, joined forces, and decided to break into the business. Brought to you by Rooted in Design, tailored Designs for Creative Minds. Here's John Boudreaux and Andrew Carlson.
1: What's happening, Podcast Land? Back after a long hiatus. It's almost been what, a little over three weeks.
0: I don't think it's been three weeks. It's been two weeks. I think it's been two weeks since change.
1: Two in a change. Two weeks. Two and a quarter. Two and a nickel. Thomas Jefferson. Johnny B and Andrew Carlson. Breaking into the business, brought to you by Rooted in Design HTX. Check out my friend Matthew Cow and his company. He's making some brand new dining room tables. They're beautiful. He just made a bench. Go check it out. Hit him up anytime, Rooted in Design HTX. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Rooted in Andrew, we're back. We have a slew of topics to go through today. It's been a, a stormy, stormy past what twelve hours here in the,
0: the great city of Houston? Hey, it's been some beautiful weather, John. I don't know what you're talking about. Hey man, about.
1: the past twelve hours have been murky and disgusting, but the past couple of weeks, my gosh,
0: it's been nothing but blue skies and like sixty-five degrees. Hey, well, it's been great for sports teams too, as long as you're not like paying attention to the Rockets. Then, but we'll get to them later. Hey man, hey man. I, I don't want to bring the hear no down. evil, see no evil. Don't want to bring the mood down early on, so you know what? What's better to start off with than your Houston Texans riding a nine-game winning streak? And if you had told me that they would be here after starting the season out zero and three, I'd laugh at you. Uh, I, I honestly can't believe it. It defies belief for me what they're doing, mm-hmm. what they continue to do. And while I understand that some of the wins early on in the streak were not the most convincing in the world, no, they're not starting. At all. To, they're starting to take care of those bad those bad teams. And if mm-hmm. you look at the overall strength of schedule these some of these wins are starting to look better and better that win against the Cowboys that's a legitimately solid win now because
1: of what we've seen the Cowboys develop into yeah and now, they've, they've proven that they are a top five defense in a big big challenge for the remaining teams.
0: Now, to be fair to the Cowboys, uh this is before they traded for Amari Cooper and mm-hmm. their offense True. well, it hasn't exactly been reinvigorated, has looked a lot different with Amari Cooper in spark. it versus without him. Mm-hmm. So, that's that, that's something that definitely is uh, I want to say a docking that any points from the Texans for that, but just a uh, just a little asterisk to say mm-hmm. this is Cowboys pre-Amari Cooper. But outside of that, the Titans are they're half decent team. They're 7 and 6 now after beating the Jags on Thursday. You know, we have I think we the, the the stat that I last saw was 6 of our games now have been against teams that are 500 or better. Mm. And that's most in the AFC. Yep. That that's that's the most in the AFC. So all of a sudden, you know, people who are just picking apart the schedule and saying that oh, it's awful. Oh, wait till you play somebody. Look, I get that we're not playing the cream of the crop, cream of no, the crop. We're, we're not beating the Chargers. We're not yeah. beating the Patriots. We're not beating the Chiefs. I get that. That's so, cool.
1: They're not on our record. We can't even we can't even talk about that realistically until we actually play, play yeah. them.
0: Yeah, and you can only play who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And after week three, the Texans have done that and they've come out on top every, every single time. time. Yeah, yeah. So it's I understand that there are caveats and everything else that that go along with this nine game winning streak, but. Winning nine games in a row in the NFL is a damn hard thing to do. It's very hard It is thing. very, very difficult to do. We,
1: we all know how di- – we personally don't know, but we understand the difficulties of just yeah. winning a game in the NFL Yeah. and how really close these teams really are, yeah. unless they're like Buffalo. Yeah. So no disrespect. Well, hey,
0: Buffalo nearly took our bacon hey, early man. on in the hey, season. Man. But, hey, we're, we're past that. We've moved on. We're a better team now. And True. I think a lot of that improvement – at least from where we were at the start of the season to where we are now, mm-hmm. is in the offensive line. And Dude, something that we've talked about... You we literally talk, just read my mind. We, we talked about it coming into the year where... Wasn't this where,
1: public enemy number one or number one concern was offensive yeah, line? no,
0: absolutely. And we, what we talked about coming into the year was we don't need you guys to be great. We just need you to be serviceable yeah, yes, to exactly. occasionally be good. And at the start of the season, they were god-awful again, and people were really worried, myself included. We had people playing out of position. We had Martinez ranking at freaking left tackle for some reason, even though he clearly doesn't have the quickness to defend against any edge rushers. Um, he can't block anyone to save his life. So we and then for some reason, we had him at left tackle where he can't block anybody. We took Julian Davenport, pulled him out of his natural position at left tackle, threw him over on the right side where he had no idea what the hell was going on. And the guard positions were a mess. Just everything was everything. Was every, everything was suck. falling apart. Everything was suck. And then all of a sudden, you know, we started playing guys in their more natural positions. We moved Julian over back to over to the left. You know, we played, I know Kendall Lamb, I've given him a lot of crap in the past, but he's been somewhat serviceable. We moved him over to right tackle, and then all of a sudden, you know, even though they're not great, you've got guys playing positions that they're comfortable with, and just when they're re- reaching that comfort level, It makes such a huge difference. It makes an absolutely massive difference when you've got guys who are playing positions where they actually know what they're doing, and they don't have to overthink everything that they're doing. And look, I'm not saying they've been great by any stretch of the imagination. They haven't been. But if you're going on Twitter and you're still complaining about the offensive line, you're living in the past.
1: Find something new to complain about. You're living in the past.
0: Seriously. This team has won nine games in a row, and the offensive line is not the thing to complain about right now. Bill O'Brien's decision-making is not the thing to complain about right now. Mm-hmm. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. If you've got issues with him maybe facing up against a Bill Belichick or an Andy Reid in the playoffs, that's fine. I understand your qualms there, but don't go out on Twitter and keep bashing Bill O'Brien in the middle of a nine-game winning streak. Yep. That, it's just it's not constructive for anybody, and it doesn't do anything for this team. It, it really, really doesn't. The fact that there's still some negativity around this team and the coach— really boggles my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because B- B.O.B. gets a ton of flack, and I think it's not necessarily because of who he is necessarily as a on-the-field coach, but in per- it pertains to how he treats members of the media. And I don't think he necessarily has a bad attitude towards anyone. I think he just does that because he's taking that He's taking the brunt. He's going out there and being the shield for the yeah. players. So the players don't necessarily have to go and really take all the blame when someone screws up on them. That's why he yeah. says it's on me. He's the shield for the team. Yeah. I, he
0: he's the bubble of protection. It just to me, I feel like there should be more excitement in the city for a team with a I, they, and, we've got a young superstar quarterback. We've got a team that's on a nine game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't think that people have gotten behind this team. In the ways that they maybe mm-hmm. should, at least in and my opinion.
1: Th- and that's understandable. Even like <laughs> where at my station, we, from all the guys I talk to, there is a lot of excitement because yeah. those are the guys who are closest in the locker room. They're interviewing the people. But from everyone outside of it, there is a heaping, heaping tablespoon of caution yeah. in that battle red Kool Aid, okay? There's a heaping tablespoon of caution and cautiousness, whatever you want to call it, in there. Simply because we've seen what the Texans do, because we're Houston. Yeah. We're, it's, it's the city of heartbreak. We're close, but no cigar every single time. That, at least that's what it has come to be, at least for our sports teams. And so I think that's why people are so cautious about this team, is that they want to hop on the bandwagon. And I'm all aboard. I've seen this team go from... Completely underperforming and looking like they don't belong on the same football field due to coaching into them completely flipping and them almost dominating games.
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. You, I got to give Bill O'Brien credit where it's due. Yes. Is he my favorite personality off the field? No, absolutely no, no. not. No, he's not. Uh, he's he's overconfident. He's brash, and a lot of that stuff comes at times when we really don't need need it to come, you know. But at the end of the day, he has done a fantastic job of keeping this team together. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see a team start 0-3, it's so easy for everything to just completely fall apart. And the fact that that hasn't happened, and the exact opposite has happened, is honestly really special, what he's done in terms of keeping – everyone's heads high and keeping everyone looking forward when it would have been very easy to just completely fall apart and collapse. So I'm, I'm just a little tired of the criticisms that are, that are being thrown his way. And look, I get it. I totally get it. He's sucked. He is straight up sucked when it comes to beating Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that that's the only way to get through the AFC is if you beat the Patriots and Bill Belichick. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, Hey, this is the best quarterback play we've had. This is probably the best overall team we've had. Mm-hmm. Let's let him go into that matchup, full head of steam, whole bunch of momentum, and see what happens. I have
1: to agree. I have to agree. I, I really don't have necessarily any qualms with him Yeah. outside of occasionally play calling. Yeah. Occasionally. It hasn't been nearly as frequent as what we've seen in yeah. the past of like, what was that?
0: Yeah, and and he still does the same, the predictable play-calling stuff. Look, I'm not saying he's perfect by any means. No, he's not. I, I'm not. His play-calling leaves a lot to be desired in but certain situations. I
1: think we've seen him mature as a coach and mature in the sense of trusting his players, specifically Deshaun. Because if he can trust Deshaun, then Deshaun can open up everything else for the receiving core and the tight ends and yeah. everyone else. It just... That's just how it seems to work with B.O.B. If he can gain the QB trust, then everything else can be opened up.
0: Oh, and, and I think that he's done a better job of modifying the offense back to what we saw a little bit more of last year. At the start of the season, for whatever reason, we weren't running some of the more creative stuff we did last year, some of the stuff that worked so well to create such an explosive offense. And... Well, the offense so far this year hasn't been great by any means. I think that we were probably more explosive last year. We're winning more games, and at mm-hmm. the end of the day, that's what's most important. And I think Bill has done a better job of simplifying stuff for Deshaun when he needs to. Look, mm-hmm. Deshaun's still a second-year quarterback. It's True. very, very easy to forget that, mm-hmm. that he doesn't have a ton of experience in this league. He only played in six, six-odd games six games his rookie year. So... <clears throat> Excuse you. Sorry, there's a still getting over this cold. So <laughs> every once in a while, I'm going to be hopping off the microphone to cough a little bit. But look, I'm, I'm just I'm just I was I was tired of the criticism, but thankfully, you know, this team has stepped up and they've really given us something to be hopeful about mm-hmm. in this city again, as far as football goes, which is not what it was looking like at the start of the year. So no. it, it's really exciting. And, look, a lot of this is coming from spots that we expected it to come from. Mm-hmm. You know, the defense, while they were horrifically bad in a, in a lot of ways for those first three weeks, um, they've really stepped up in the way that we expected. The safeties, we expected excellent safety play coming into this year. Justin Reed, he probably won't win defensive rookie of the year, but he should absolutely be in the consideration for it. He's been He's been a first round level pick mm-hmm. out of a third round pick. Mm-hmm. That's you, you can't ask for better production you, and, and than what he's getting. That's not common either. You usually well, don't get that. Well, you don't if you're the Texans. <laughs> as, as long as, as long as Rick Smith was our general as manager. As long as it's
1: another uh, Michigan State wide receiver in the third round.
0: Like well, we haven't seen production out of our third, fourth, fifth round picks for a long, long, it's been a time. very long time. We we simply haven't. As long as Rick Smith was the general manager. We never saw those guys picked outside of the first round, really, be successful. We had a bunch of undrafted guys who were successful, and we had a bunch of first-round picks who were successful. Outside of that, there was almost zero happy medium. Yeah, And all of a sudden, we've got guys from further down in the draft class who are contributing in meaningful ways to the team, and it's really, really exciting to see. Mm. It, it genuinely is. Justin Reed is a fantastic player, and he should be a, a great player, a cornerstone of our secondary for the next decade. Mm.
1: I, I really couldn't agree more. The, the way he's developed has been tremendous. And honestly, I think a great tool that I've, that I've heard through the grapevine of, of help yeah. has been the Vets, but ultimately, Ty Matthew.
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard a lot Ty of. Matthew, he's been very impressive. He,
1: yeah. is, he He literally comes in and is, remember old T.H., uh, I'll refer to him, yeah. old Houston guy yeah can't stand him um, we got the juice Ty Matthew brings the juice every day and yeah. I love his antics on Twitter <laughs> I, <laughs> I think never he I, it on Twitter. he was such a nice guy at LSU yeah but my gosh this guy is ridiculously fiery I've never met a guy with a wider smile yeah um, but the, the whiteness of a smile doesn't matter um, <laughs> but honestly he is so electric with his his passion for playing football. And I think you just see it rub off on everyone else, especially in that secondary, because they play like they have some swagger. Yeah.
0: And he's even done stuff with the offense. So something I read recently is that he's been working with Deshaun, and this is something he used to do with Carson Palmer in Arizona, where Deshaun will be sort of simulating various routes, and he'll ask Tyron, like, hey, what'd you do here? Like, why'd you break here? Asking him, what's going through a safety's mind when he breaks on a route, when he doesn't, what he's looking for, and stuff that Deshaun can use to implement in his own game and improve to mask his tendencies more, mm-hmm. deceive the defense in terms of what he wants to do, and just that sort of impact. We haven't had that sort of impact from a player for a good while.
1: I, I, I think you're right about that, and who, who, who else is better than Tyron Matthew? When you see from his college career to here, yeah. him and Patrick Peterson are excellent at jumping those routes. Oh, yeah. Excellent, yeah. they're they're literal ball hawks. They yeah. find the ball, they read the eyes of the QB, yeah. and they just
0: snag it. Yeah. Now, I mean, outside of the set of safeties, the secondary hasn't been great, but honestly, they've been better than I expected, especially after those first three games. Kareem at corner, mm-hmm. look, I, some places in pro football focus, he's been great as the number one corner. Do I think Kareem is the number one corner no. in the NFL? No. No, no, no. But he's been, he's been really good when he's been forced into duty at corner. He's been excellent at safety. Wherever we've had to put him on the field, Kareem's been he really performs. good. He performs. And for me, he's one of the best tackling secondary players in the entire league. And he shows that week in, week out when he comes up and makes big hits on guys, stops them one, two yards past the line of scrimmage, when in reality it's they think it's a free five, six, ten yards. You know, Kareem has done a fantastic job, and he deserves full credit for it. Mm-hmm. Outside of him, the cornerbacks have been kind of iffy. Um, I, I'm still not really confident in them. So, that's, if we have to go and face, say, a Kansas City or a San Diego, I'm Scary. not. Or, or, or Pittsburgh, I'm not really looking forward to it because they've got all sorts of weapons on the outside and in mm-hmm. the slot. And I don't have faith in our corners to stick with those guys for an extended period of time. Mm. Thankfully, our defensive line and linebackers have played so well. And, and they pressure they yeah they they, pressure well. They, they've been getting enough pressure where they don't allow those downfield routes to develop. So mm-hmm. even if someone gets burned downfield, it may not matter as much because the quarterback can't get the throw off. And we saw that a little bit, I think, against Cleveland and towards the second half where they, we had guys streaking downfield. Our corners couldn't really keep up with them. But, you know, as long as you get the pressure on the quarterback, it doesn't matter nearly as much. Mm-hmm. Now, looking forward to this Colts game a little bit. We were lucky to win the first one, John. Dude, we, we, we were lucky to win the first one.
1: 34 Was it 37-34? Was it uh, I think
0: so. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, and that, yeah. was, um, that,
1: that was that.
0: That was that. was complete.
1: Frank. That was complete. Honest luck in questioning. But then again, I'm not going to put down Frank Wright for I, wanting, wanting to go for it. No,
0: I'm not putting him down for the, the super aggressive decision. I, I
1: I love the fact that he wanted to be aggressive. That, I think that's. I think it's great. But in the right
0: timing. Ooh. Yeah. Looking back at the way the rest of their season has played out, uh, that's that. In retrospect, was a very questionable decision because Mm -hmm. if that's a tie, and now we're heading into this game with the Colts and they have an extra game up on us, and we have uh, like essentially a game back, Mm -hmm. or like we've been pulled a game back because that game was a tie. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, this game starts to mean a lot more. Totally different. But now that they've been uh, on a roll too. Well, yeah, they've been they've been been on a roll. They've slowed down a little bit recently, but. Even if the Texans lose this game, it's not going to be the end of the world. You no, know? there's, there's if, still. If there's
1: one game that I think could trip the Texans up out of our remaining games. I honestly don't see Philly really. I, I think that's rooting. the toughest game remaining. I, I, th- on th- our I schedule. think it Maybe, be, but it, it's hard to win twice in a row yeah. into the division because you know your opponent so well yeah. and you know these tendencies. Yeah. But with Andrew Luck playing essentially somewhat out of his mind. Yeah. Could be a doozy of a game.
0: Yeah, I mean, they really slowed down. That game against, losing against Jacksonville last week was really sort of, I don't want to say a backbreaker for them, but at this point, to realistically make the playoffs, they probably have to win out. And I don't see that happening. So I'm not nearly as worried about this game as I was a couple of weeks ago. And honestly, what I'm more worried about with the Colts is what they're going to look like next year. Hmm. Two years down the road. Because because they've got a lot of talent on that team. They finally fixed the offensive line, which team is gonna be loaded. Which we've yeah. talked about for for years is an issue where, you know, they can't protect the quarterback no matter who's back there, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, Andrew Luck, whoever, they've never been able to protect that guy. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they can. So I'm not as worried about what they're gonna present to us this year. It's a matchup at home. It's a matchup I expect us to win. And even if we don't win, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm we should expect to still win the division relatively yes, comfortably. Yes, comfortably, for so sure. It, it would have been—and It would, and the, see, this is where the tie takes place and where the tie would have been so huge. is. Mm-hmm. So let's say they're 6-5-1 and one, and we're 8-3-1 and one heading into this game. If they win this game, all of a sudden they're just a game back in the win column—or mm-hmm. yeah. in the loss column, rather, sorry. And then on top of that, they've got— Another game on us because they've got the head-to-head advantage. Mm-hmm. So if they have that, then I'm worried. Obviously, not the case. So not super worried about it heading in heading mm-hmm. in the game. I wanted to tie this in to uh, finish to finish wrapping up the, this Texans segment. Is I wanted to talk about the success we've had when Deshaun Watson isn't throwing the ball a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, I believe. Four and six when he throws thirty plus times, and we are eight and zero when he doesn't. And this is over the past couple of years. Okay. So the game. This doesn't count the Jacksonville game where he came in at halftime at the start of the last year. So um, twelve and six from Deshaun plays, but only four and six when he throws thirty plus times. And I want to throw this comparison out to you. Do you think that he only is only four and six? Yeah, over thirty times when he when he throws the ball thirty or more times, we're four and six. Wow. And, To me, this is a big point of what we're doing uh, with our team right now is that Deshaun is the type of quarterback where, to me, if I need him to win a game, he can, and he's shown that he can do that in the past. He's shown it at the college level, and he's shown it to a certain degree at the pro level. But I think he's a lot better when you don't necessarily have to lean on him all the time. Mm -hmm. When we're running the ball consistently well, when we're doing well on defense, like when, when we're not saying, "All right, Deshaun, we need you to go win this go game win by yourself." Go win it. He's yeah. he's not he's someone he's a quarterback who's capable of doing that, but we're probably better off as a team if we're not asking him to do that on a week to week basis. Mm-hmm. And someone I want to make a comparison to is a Russell Wilson, and I know that's mm. like that might be an easy comparison. They're both yeah. black quarterbacks. They're both pretty mobile, but to me, Russell Wilson in Seattle, they've started running the ball a lot more again this year. And something that's very apparent to me is, is he a quarterback that can win the game for you by himself? Absolutely. We've seen it firsthand in some of the games we've played against Seattle. We know that he's fantastic back there. But at the same time... We've seen they're running back. They're they're probably better off as Mm -hmm. a team when they're not saying every single week, hey, Russell, go win us the game. Mm -hmm. And I think Deshaun is in that exact same mold where, you know, he can mitigate a lot of the offensive line issues where he just straight up saves their bacon when they let free rushers come through, Russell Wilson does the exact same thing. He gets pressured on a ridiculous amount of his dropbacks, but he's able to sort of deal with it because of his mobility and because of his downfield vision. And I think Deshaun has a lot of those same characteristics. And it's it's really exciting for me to see his development and the de- team, development of the team around him where they're starting to realize, look, we know Deshaun is great, mm-hmm. but we don't we don't have to lean on him every single week, yes. and that's really, really good to see.
1: Oh, yeah. I think, obviously, we've seen Lamar Miller come back. I wouldn't say—I think it, it. this is his best season as a Texan. Yeah. I'd have to say. Yeah. And Blue, within the past couple games, we I've actually seen him break into the second level yeah. a few times. And Alfred Blue coming out of LSU was always, all right, he's going to be that downhill runner, kind of a little awkward at times. But man, he's he's breaking through tackles now, which is, which is not common. That that at least that I've seen, and I think that this one-two tandem yeah has worked out well. Now that we have Devant, Deontay Foreman coming back, I'm not really sure where he fits in outside of maybe picking up carries here and there. What? Well, because he he's. I honestly see him a little bit more as a specialty back in some yeah. senses.
0: I mean, when, when you've got a guy coming back from an Achilles injury, we just want to get him some just, carries. You just want just to get, get garbi- get, throw get, him, him in him the garbage action. time. Get him get him some action. And if he can contribute something to the team, great. If not, then it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar Millen has gotcha. played like a man possessed coming out mm-hmm. of the bye week. So yep. if I, I think Deontay Foreman being on the roster can only be a positive because worst-case scenario— He's taking up a spot that probably wouldn't have been useful anyway. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, he actually provides a different aspect than either Lamar Miller or Alpha Blue in terms of someone who can really carry guys through the tackle.
1: And, and he's he's going to give you a way different look because yeah. w- the defensive coordinator is not going to necessarily prepare for Deontay Foreman. Yeah. He's going to prepare for Lamar pretty yeah. much.
0: So to wrap up this uh, this little text and segment we've got, I just want to take a second to look at some of the potential playoff matchups, assuming okay. we don't end up with a bye. There's still a possibility that we end up with the second or first seed. It's there, not there, super likely, it, but absolutely. But there, but there are possibilities. I think a lot of these places peg it as like a 30% chance or something around there uh-huh. that we end up with a buy. So it's not, it's not ludicrous. It's not out of the realm outside the realm of possibility yes. that we end up with the buy.
1: Right, right now I believe we're looking to play the Ravens.
0: Yeah, and to me, I'm not super worried. That would be a dream matchup for me, because the, their offense is their offense isn't great. It's very shaky. Because F- F- Flacco's still out, right? They, yeah, Flacco's, Flacco's still out. He's um, probably going to be looking at potential to return next week. But mm-hmm. even then, I think Lamar Jackson's their guy for the future, so they're going to keep rolling with him for the rest of the year. All that being said, the Ravens are one of the few teams that can't really exploit our weaknesses. Our our secondary isn't that good, and if they've got Lamar Jackson back there, I don't think he's got the tactical nous yet mm. to really attack us in the way mm-hmm. that, let's say, a Phillip Rivers, a Tom Brady, mm-hmm. or Patrick Mahomes would.
1: Yeah, he's not going to be able to push the ball <laughs> down the field oh, no. vertically, I don't think, unless it's maybe on one or two
0: just yeah. chunk balls. Yeah, I mean, look, John Brown's a speedster, and so if if they're able to get him out in, out in space, Lamar Jackson's got a strong arm. He can whip it downfield. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that offense doesn't scare me. No, but nearly as much as the rest of the teams. And I think that the way we've taken care of the ball through this nine through the majority of mm -hmm. this nine game winning streak. I'm not super worried about the Ravens defense single handedly winning the game. Mm -hmm. I think our offense is good enough to overcome their defense a couple of times. I agree much more so than I would say their offense is capable of overcoming our defense. So Mm -hmm. I'm that's a matchup that I would be very positive about. I would probably be less positive about a matchup with the Steelers just because I think that they can exploit they, us at the they corners. They can exploit our set the corners really badly. Yes. I don't want to see J. Joe on Antonio Brown or Juju Smith. I don't want to
1: see anyone. I'd rather see Tyron Matthew on Antonio Brown um, as short as Tyron negatory, is. Negatory. As short as Tyron is, he's he's a full three inches shorter yeah. than I am. But still, I think he has a lot more dog and him than anyone else yeah. on that defense.
0: Now, that being said, Steelers defense isn't some incredible no, unstoppable it is thing. It's not so, what it used to be, dude. I it's mean not what it used to be. It it's it, it really goes like it, it really goes both ways. It it does. You know I'm more worried about a matchup with the Steelers or Chargers than I am with the Ravens. Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time if we've got a home playoff game, I feel very confident going into any of those matchups and I think that we should expect to win any of those matchups at home. Now getting past that against the Patriots or Chiefs, a whole different ball game. Yeah. Different right, story.
1: Like as of as of right now, just to recap, we're scheduled to well we're right now the third seed. Yeah. With the Ravens being the sixth seed. So so
0: theoretically you win against the Ravens. We, we at would home, play the Chiefs. We would play the Chiefs. I would not feel good about going into Arrowhead. I, I would feel
1: great if, if if we could if the Chiefs somehow could lay an egg and we consistent and we went out yeah if, and, we, if, we, and if we are able to play the Patriots, I have way more confidence in playing the Patriots than I would the Chiefs um that's, I, a, that's just me because I know that Pat Mahomes can still sling it yeah see i I'm on the opposite side of you there okay um simply because well, we've seen the Texans be competitive with the Patriots yeah that but, that's that's where I'm drawing my confidence from
0: my, my my thing my issue with the Chiefs is their defense is trash. Oh, their, their defense we, is legitimately we, bad. We, we know it's trash. And I don't think I've ever seen a team be consistently successful in the playoffs with a really bad defense. Okay. And the Chiefs' defense is legitimately bad. And I think that's what's really going to hold them back this year is the fact that their defense just isn't, isn't good. Now, they've got Eric Berry, who's an all-pro level safety, who's coming back from injury uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. And maybe he adds a dynamic to the defense that really elevates them. They could start. possibly that, that outperform where they currently are. Yeah, and that elevates them to another level. Yes. But that remains to be seen. And as of now, I just have a much harder time trusting a team without a defense in the playoffs. And the Chiefs are that team to me. Mm-hmm. So while I wouldn't expect us to win going into Arrowhead, but let's say we grab the second seed somehow. And then all of a sudden they're coming into Reliant. I would expect this to be very competitive mm-hmm. in that game. I, I I do think we
1: there is obviously a shot. I believe we do have a chance against every single team coming up. Yeah, I believe that. And that's, I think, the first time I've ever, as yeah. a Texans fan,
0: being yeah. willing and actually somewhat confident in saying that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing right now, is that there's not a single team in the AFC where I say, you know what, we don't have a shot against them.
1: Yeah, e- e- even the You're- Chargers, who who... I think are one of the strangest teams out there, oddly yeah. enough. Offensively, they're so different, but Phillip Rivers always gets it done. Yeah. He's been tearing it up. Big Ben in the Steelers, they seem so on edge all the time. They look amazing one week and the next week they're like Yeah, exactly. Well, this team is
0: four and twelve, it feels yeah, like and that that inconsistency is the reason that I feel like there's not a single team in the AFC where I'm just saying, nah no shot. The N F C is a whole nother ball game though. Yeah, but we're not worried about. it. We're them. not worried about it. Okay, if we though. get to that point, <laughs> then everything else is gravy for me. So gravy, gravy, baby. Yeah. Well,
1: I think that just about does it for this Texan segment. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first segment of our uh, podcast. Yippee ki yay! Uh, we're gonna leave you guys with a little bit of music. Don't forget to check out Rooted in Design HTX. Follow us on Twitter at BitBPod, at HypedUpAndrew, at Johnny Toblerone. We're also on Instagram at Breaking Into the Business. We'll see you guys in just a little bit. <laughs>
0: It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your old front door A pair of hopper on boots and a pistol that shoots Is the wish of Barney and Ben and all that will talk and will go for a walk Is the hope of Janice and Jen And mom and dad can hardly wait
1: For school to start again Like a blast from the past They're lightning fast Johnny
0: B and Andrew C
1: Are back Well ladies and gents It is starting to look a, a lot like Christmas At least in hotel, Texas uh, Apparently the Lubbock the got 9 world. inches of snow last night mm-hmm. Shout out to that, that, that little desert town Sucking rednecks. Zero impact on me right now. Zero right. impact on me right now. Uh, but, yeah, it's starting to look a lot more like Christmas time. So, yippee kaye.
0: yay That's not what I associate with Christmas. yippee Kaye and Christmas are not two things that I put together. Uh, I don't
1: know. Well, I, I'm just excited. Do you have any plans for Christmas, Andrew? Uh, going not. going anywhere? Are you staying in the uh,
0: city? N- next week we're going to Florida. with a little family trip. Oh, that's uh, nice. But outside of that, no. You're going to go visit... Uh, we don't Jurassic have family Park. there. No, we're just going. Are and, uh, going yeah, are parks? we visiting anywhere? No, we have. Uh, I think we're going to some beach resortish type thing. Ooh, so. Boolin, yeah.
1: you and Rick Ross gonna go chop it up on the black market? I think not. No. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. Go ride some jet skis with Cal. Why don't you? <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna continue on in the last little string of this uh, footballish segment. At least Houston football. And Andrew, I know you got some stuff we want to talk about for the University of Houston Cougars. What do you got, my man?
0: <laughs> well, Way to just toss it to me like I'm just a reporter. Toss it. like you. <laughs> so here's here's Andrew Carlson with our report Outside on the, the center uh, on the Houston Cougars. No, I what I just I just wanted to touch on it a little bit before we got over to other subjects. Mm. Um, just sort of finish up a continuous thought in terms of Houston football transitioning from the Texans to a little bit on the Cougars. Art Bryles, or sorry, not Art Bryles. I keep calling him Art Bryles. This is ridiculous. Kendall Bryles is potentially on his way out as offensive coordinator. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on how hot the seat should be for Major Applewhite, especially if Kendall Bryles is on the way out as the OC. Because, frankly, I think the seat should be pretty hot anyway. We've Mm -hmm. talked about how You know, seven and five, eight and four is mediocre, and the university expects better. Uh, President Couture herself has said that, you know, eight, seven, eight win seasons will get a coach fired here. And I don't think they're holding to that quite yet. I think Mm -hmm. if it happens again next year, then they will hold themselves to that standard. But especially if Kendall goes, and I, at this point, I kind of honestly expect him to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the seat should be red hot for Major Applewhite. He has done nothing that has impressed me so far mm-hmm. as a head coach from the staff that he's picked outside of Bryles obviously, but D'Onofrio was an unmitigated disaster as a defensive coordinator. And thank goodness he's um, gone. Yeah, our our offense under Major before Kendall got here was exceptionally mediocre. Um his ability to coach people up and make them better than they were when they got here. I haven't seen a whole lot of that. It's only been two years, but I haven't seen anyone take significant strides forward outside of De'Eric King, but I don't think that's Major doing anything special. I think that's the best quarterback we had on the roster last year who's just getting the opportunity to show himself. Um, I, I've just been thoroughly underwhelmed with everything that Major has done so far. And I understand that the school wants to remove itself from this identity as a stepping stone and make itself a major power, but I'm really afraid that in our attempt to move away from the stepping stone identity, Mm -hmm. we've sucked ourselves into this cesspool of mediocrity where, you know, we, we don't want our coaches moving on, but... I think at some point you have to accept your place yeah. in the college football hierarchy, mm-hmm. at least where we are at the moment, and say, look, I get that we're not in a major conference. We want to be the best of the of the non-Power 5 schools. Yes. That's awesome. That's an awesome goal. We want to be in the Power 5 when the next conference or your alignment happens. Those are all worth, worthy goals. Mm-hmm. But you also have to understand that even if you are the best... Non Power Five school, your coach is liable to be poached. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. It's just it's just what happens. And it, your coach is liable liable to be poached if you're South Carolina, if you're, you know, if you're Oregon. These are these are big name schools. If you're Cal, if you're UCLA, Mm -hmm. if if you're not one of the marquee top five to ten programs in the country. Your, your coach is liable to be taken away um, by someone who is offering a slightly more marquee job. That's just the nature of the beast. That's how it works. So I think in our effort to avoid having our coach poached, we settled for someone who, while he might stay here longer term, is not quite as good a coach. And it worries me that that's mm. the path we've chosen to go down and we've sort of stuck to our guns on it. I hope that Major proves me wrong. I hope that his staffing choices prove me wrong. But as of now, I've seen nothing to to change my mind that he's a mediocre head coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm just worried that we have taken a major step back. And no pun ha- and intended. No pun intended. And it's, it's very unfortunate to see. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm hopeful moving forward the team rectifies. They they've got the Armed Forces Bowl. I'm not really super I'll watch worried it. about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna pay attention to it. We'll have more of a preview um, in the week or two leading up to the game. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, I, my it, my first thoughts are that Army's gonna crush us. We they love to run the ball, and as everyone knows, we can't stop the run to save our lives. We we, and Ed we Ed don't Oliver's have a playing. defensive line so. outside
1: of Ed Oliver, and Ed's not even playing. So we might as well really not have a defense. Yeah. Cuz the scheme this year was booty. Yeah. The play this year was booty. Yeah. Tackling was
0: nil. The defense was awful all around. There was not a single redeemable aspect to what the defense did this year. And that that sucks to say, but that's what it is. So Yeah, that's uh that's it for the Houston uh, football talk. Sorry to to somber it up a little bit, but it it is what it is. So let's pivot over to the Astros. They are heading into the winter meetings, which is usually when the most action takes place in in the baseball offseason. This is when the stove or the proverbial stove is very hot, so to speak. They're cranking up that stove temperature. So that being said... We've had a lot of activity. There's There's been some activity in this offseason, and it worries me slightly that the Astros haven't been. We, ha-
1: we have not been a part of any giant storyline so, so far. Yeah. Really, signed, we haven't.
0: We've signed Robinson Chirinos, a catcher for the Rangers, who is a very meh signing for me. He's a stopgap signing, and I'm not, I really hope that he's not the guy that they're leaning on to start heading into next year. Um, he's a career 230 hitter. He's got some pop to him. Uh, He had 18 home runs last year, 17 the year before, but he only hit 220 last year, which is the lowest he's hit since his rookie season. And he's 34 years old going on 35. Uh, It's just a very odd signing for me because for a team that wants to compete for a World Series, a poor defensive catcher who's not going to hit for average, hits for a bit of power... Doesn't really,
1: it doesn't scream we're gonna make a run.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and look, I go I get that there's so much talent on this team at elsewhere that as long as guys like Correa and Altuve come back and play up to their level, but then that's that, different. That's, but there's no there's no certainty that it's exactly, gonna be the case. There's
1: no certainty that they're even gonna come back healthy. So a back injury is giant in Altuve's knee. I, he I think
0: is like gonna be fine. If, wasn't if we're he being playing honest, with like
1: a broken kneecap or something no, like he, absurd, yeah, thing?
0: He, he would have had surgery and if at any other point, um, if it wasn't so close to the postseason and yeah. all this stuff happened, Altuve, I'm pretty sure, is going to be fine. I'm not super worried about him coming back for the knee. Correa's back. I've said this time and time again, I'm super worried about it. Um, back injuries are something that you never mess with, mm-hmm. but we'll have to wait and see. I'm optimistic that if the doctors say that it'll just get better with rest and not with surgery, and he's resting this off season, then hopefully that's what happens. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he gets better. But I'm not super stoked about uh, Robinson Chirinos. He struck out 140 times last year, which is more, which is almost two times more than he had in any season prior. Um, that's compared to just 45 walks. So the dude's striking out nearly 100 times more than he's walking. Um, it's it's just a very, very blah signing. And I know that it's early in the offseason that there's a whole lot of other stuff that can happen. But right now, um, I'm not super optimistic. I continue to trust Jeff Luno. Mm-hmm. I think that potentially he might be overvaluing uh, Tucker just a little bit. I... Forrest I'm Whitley. There. I'm For, there. Forrest I'm, Whitley, I'm there with you. Yeah, Forrest Whitley, I understand. I think that he's going to be a fantastic pitcher, Years to come in this organization. So if you don't, if he's untouchable to you, not okay. a problem with that. His his stats in the minor leagues. You know, last year was sort of a wasted year for him between the drug suspension for weed, Adderall, whatever it is that was never really released. Does not matter. Um, doesn't matter now. Between that and injuries, last year was sort of a lost development year for him. But if you look at his stats in the fall league after um, after all the minor league season, everything was done. Dude was striking guys out at historic rates, just like he was when his, his age 19 season in mm-hmm. AA. And just saying age 19 season in AA is really impressive because you almost never hear that from anybody. No. so You're, you're the, still in your sophomore yeah, year Yeah, the, the fact that he was striking out 12, 13 guys per nine innings at 19 years old at AA playing against professionals is really, really impressive. And I mm-hmm. think he's going to be a fantastic cornerstone for this franchise five years from now. So if you if he's untouchable, I've got no problem with it. But Tucker, on the other hand, I am... I am very weary of him. I, His long looping swing, to me, doesn't play well in this era of, of fastballs. No. It, it, it just absolutely doesn't. And when you have a longer contact, when your swing is in motion longer, and it's longer between when you swing and when your bat makes contact with the ball, you have to be really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. And... I just don't know if he's that player. You look at Alex Bregman's swing, it's nice, short, compact, but he still has power, but he gets to the ball very quickly. Mm-hmm. He always he gets to the ball. It's the same thing with Altuve. Yeah.
1: Altuve used to just sling it out yeah. there, but he's made adjustments yeah. and he just slaps the ball around. Yeah.
0: So, I'm I'm willing to to give our front office and all the all the scouts that we've got the benefit of the doubt because they deserve it. They mm-hmm. frankly they deserve it. This team won a World Series for the first time in its history under the direction of this front office. So I, I will continue to trust the decisions that they make. But let letting Goldschmidt go to me was a curious one. Mm-hmm. And I say let go because we it was us and the Cardinals who were the two teams mainly in discussion mm-hmm. supposedly for um, the. Incredible first baseman for the Diamondbacks, Paul Goldschmidt, and he went to the Cardinals for two guys who are no longer in the top end of their organizational prospect list. Now they're two guys who both used to be top fifty, but then petered off a little bit. Um, both, I think, one of them had some major league experience and didn't do super hot. To me, I would have given up a Tucker if it meant Goldsch- if, it, if it meant getting if, back, if it, if, it if, meant if it if it getting, getting back Goldschmidt. To me, that, that's something he, that I would he, absolutely have done. He puts
1: done. us over the hump, and he, in many ways, I don't want to say it, but I will, kind of yeah. takes care of the Carlos Correa's gone problem. Yeah, Carlos it, Correa's it, not back problem. He takes care of that. Yeah, he fills he, that void.
0: He puts a bona fide superstar bat into the lineup who also gives you gold glove level defense at mm-hmm. first base. There is, I understand that there's no certainty that he will resign here if we had traded for him given that he's got a year left on his deal that being said
1: like that would have opened up so many things if Correa's out yeah. like you could honestly move Bregman to shortstop yeah there and, there's and, and, a, there's then, a lot
0: of things you could have done and it it's just unfortunate to me that he he seemed to sort of slip through our grasp yeah so to speak i if Luno didn't want to match the offer or, or pony up a little bit more. Like I said, I'm willing to trust him. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I am getting a little nervous. Yes. A little nervous. Between, between Goldie going to the cards and Paxton going to the Yankees. Now, Paxton going to the Yankees is a little bit more understandable mm-hmm. because the Yankees gave up their number one organizational prospect in the trade. And for us, that would mean giving up Forrest Whitley. Mm-hmm. And if you're saying, hey, you can have Paxton, but you got to give up Whitley then I'm cool with saying no to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and his peripherals, he's he's been giving up. I know that he's awesome against the Astros, so Astros fans probably don't feel this way. Yeah. But his peripherals have been sort of dropping off the past mm-hmm. year, year and a half. I think he
1: throws like a 3.4, 3.5 ERA, I want to say. I yeah, think yeah, I'm yeah. Off. Yeah,
0: no, but what, but what I'm saying by that is his fly ball rate's gone up. Um, his hard contact rate has gone up. And in a stadium like Yankee Stadium – where we you see pop flies get out of Yankee Stadium all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got a higher contact, hard contact rate and a higher fly ball rate, it can spell trouble. So I'm interested to see how all that plays out with him. And uh, generally speaking, I'm okay with the Astros missing out on him. Yeah. But all told, I just want to see some action happen. This, this team if, needs if, to if improve I, if, at if, some if, levels, and we need to make those improvements to me sooner yeah. rather than later.
1: If there was a guy I think the Astros— had a genuine shot at part of me would have would have said if it's Nathan Nathan Evaldi um, part of me yeah. would have thought it would simply because we need another starting pitcher yeah we it's, a... it's it's necessary because I don't I don't see Whitley and I honestly don't see as much as I've loved seeing this very small sample size of Josh James coming out of the coming
0: out it's asking a lot of but those it's guys asking a ton. exactly so just throw them into a major league rotation and say hey we're looking hey, to get 150 yeah it's we're like, looking to get 150 oh, 200 innings out of you I don't think we're going to get that out of either of those guys I, I think I we're going to get
1: James transitioning super well to the bullpen yeah I could see crazy great things for him
0: I think what's going to happen we're going to have McHugh back in the rotation this yes, year I agree. hopefully Morton's resigns um, so then you all- have Verlander, Cole, Morton, McHugh. and
1: that's still a top ten rotation uh, in know, my that, opinion. That's
0: still just if you, just Verlander, Cole alone is the best one two punch in baseball. So it's it's going to be okay. And I preface all I, I want to preface this entire conversation by saying everything is going to be okay with the Astros. They're still an immense amount of talent on the team. They could stand pat and still probably win hundred games this year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. To me, if we really want to get over the hump, if we want to go back to that World Series level where we're considered the the favorites or mm-hmm. the co favorites with somebody, there's we, gotta we, be we some we need to make done. a couple moves here. Because there. the Red Sox are still juiced to the gills. Yeah, they're still very good. They're still Still a very good team. And they resigned Ivaldi and they gave Ivaldi four years. Um Was 17 like, million per, mm-hmm. so it's like sixty eight million contract. Sixty something million. Sixty eight yeah. mil contract. And Look, for a guy who's had two Chami John surgeries and throws over 100 miles per hour, I can understand the skepticism of not wanting to give him that Mm -hmm. sort of contract. And he's pitched really well in the past. I think his playoff performance clouds judgment a little bit. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's awesome when someone has a super clutch playoff performance. But back in 2015, he had like a 70-80 inning stretch that was exactly the same as what he did late season heading into the playoffs. And he didn't really replicate it again for another two to three years. So it's not unheard of that guys are awesome in the playoffs and then revert back to the norm, which is something that I think is possible with Evaldi. It might happen. Maybe he's just found himself, and he's an incredible pitcher from here on out. If that's the case and he's healthy, that four-year $17 million contract is an absolute steal for the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. I tend to think that a guy coming off two Tommy John surgeries isn't worth a four-year deal with big money in the back end. But, Mm -hmm. look. He's a, he's a legend in Boston, and I totally understand the fact that they wanted to keep him there because, frankly, his performance in the postseason is the stuff of MLB folklore for the rest of time, what he did against the Dodgers in that World Series. The, coming in in that 18-inning game, he pitching like six innings in relief, and then pitching again just a couple—it it was it was incredible what he did. Mm. and he, that contract is fully deserved, but I totally understand the Astros not saying, hey, you know what, we're not cool with the medicals on this. We're not cool with everything else. We're going to stay away. Mm. Now, one other free agent that's been tossed around a little bit is Bryce Harper. And, John, I don't think it's likely that he comes here because, frankly, ask- if he comes here, that means us letting go of some of our organizational guys. And I just don't see Luno being the type of person, or Jim Crane being the Mm -hmm. type of person, to cut those guys loose in lieu of a big name free agent. Yes, but if if if, if he he does come here, it's going to be a really fun four or five years. A lot of the places have mentioned mm -hmm. us as sort of the dark horse. They've said that Harper's got some admiration for what we've got going on in Houston. Mm -hmm. That he, like outside looking in, he you know money not being an issue that. Houston is one of the places that he might like to go to. Mm-hmm. But money is an issue. It's it's a big, big issue when and it comes a, to Bryce Harper. And he's a
1: giant ego. Yeah. I, I, I think he has the biggest hair and the biggest head in all of baseball. That's all I've got to say. Yuli yeah. so, might have something to say about the big hair. But um, it it, w- it would be a doozy of a thing to, to essentially get the biggest guy, the biggest— essentially, ego that baseball has today Yeah, on the team that seems to be with the least amount of ego for, uh, for a big team? Like, like at least we... I, I don't know. Alex
0: Bregman's got plenty of ego, man. Well, in the sense that... I, see, he, see I, I think Bregman. A,
1: Bregman is a nice, a nice ego. He I, can, be, I think he can you're, be a little
0: douchey. I, I, no, I think that you're looking at it with houston tinted lenses. I think you're overblowing Harper's issues okay. significantly. I, I've seen nothing to me that... Look, I get that He's he, just insanely fiery. Yeah. To the nth degree. Yeah, but there's a big difference between being super passionate and being some egocentric asshole. And I don't okay. think I don't think Harper is an egocentric asshole. I I simply don't. Okay. I think that he cares about winning and I think he really cares about baseball. So and now
1: now that now that you said you think that, he cares about winning, he wants to go to a winning team? Is that is that what you're saying?
0: No. I mean look, at the end of the day, people want to also get paid. The that's very m- true m- money comes getting that huge contract probably comes before winning. But thankfully for him, at least coming from by, from his perspective, a winning team is going to pony up to pay him money mm-hmm. because that's just how the league works. He's not going to get a contract from some crappy team worth $300 million. That, that's just not how the sport works anymore. You don't have crappy teams who are willing to pay an A-Rod 250 million to barely scrape one playoff berth in 10 years. All of all the Texas Rangers. It's mm-hmm. just, that that's not how the sport works anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't have teams doing that. So I'd expect Harper to, to get something in the 300 to 350 million range. Uh, it would be really fun if it was the Astros, but I don't think it's going to be us. Mm-hmm. If he did, let's say he signs here for 10 years, 350 million, John. Okay. Um, Ten years you said? Ten years, three hundred and fifty million. So thirty-five mil per year.
1: He'll he'll be done when he's thirty-seven, I believe.
0: So yeah. 37. What, what what would your initial thoughts be on that?
1: Dang, man. Uh initial thoughts is what happens to the top cream of the crop of the farm system? My guess is that they go, at least three of them are all headed to the to the national. Well, it's he's a free agent. He's a free agent. Excuse yeah, me. sorry. So um, we,
0: yeah, we don't have to send anyone away.
1: Scares me in the long haul. Long haul scares me. But then again, he's proven time after time he's very consistent so far that well, we've uh, seen. Yeah, that we've I seen mean,
0: overall. Overall, he's consistent. I mean, last year he wasn't. So since his MVP season, where he put up like ten wins above replacement, and mm-hmm. was a. Bonafide superstar, the level of Mike Trout. We haven't sort of seen that level of performance. man, if Mike Trout's on the market, baby. Well, we're not getting Mike Trout. I know. <laughs> um, to me, I think that it would be something that would be awesome to see as an Astros fan. Mm-hmm. And if they decided to go for it, I would be fully behind it. Mm-hmm. it, it it's
1: interesting because the Astros, when was the last time we got a mega superstar we, we've like, never. We've I never, don't think th- our, we've our, our, ever really had, like, a
0: mega, mega superstar on the team. The the last big free agent that I think the city as a whole got was probably Dwight Howard. Like, I'm talking, like, superstar-level player. Yeah. I think the last, just in terms of the entire city, I think Dwight Howard was the last super big name mm-hmm. that we brought in. Um, in terms of the Astros, the last big free agent signing was maybe a Carlos Lee. What? Well, what was Miguel Tejada? Was he a Miguel trade? Miguel Tejada was a trade. Okay. Because uh,
1: Miguel used to be yeah. tearing it up for the Orioles. Well, yeah. he went to poo when he was here. Oh well,
0: well, yeah, we that's that's that, whole, that was that was that, a, that, that's that was a rant a that's a rant for another time. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> like I said, it'd be really exciting if he comes. It here. would. Be. I, I'd be behind it. So it would be. It'd be a last last for the Houston news, John. Hey man, we saved uh- the worst for the last. I got, I got to
1: say this. Roll it. Shout out to the boy, your boy, Kelly Ica, for getting the quote yeah. uh, of the week with Eric Gordon. It says, I'm, not, I'm just not having fun, man. I'm just not. This sucks. Even the times where I have good games, we're not using some guys in the right way. Are we going to make the right sacrifices? Do we have the right attitude?
0: Yeah. That, that quote speaks volumes. Uh, it's all it, it, it
1: touches on everyone in that locker room it's all without saying a single name yeah it's all going
0: to crap uh... I'm not saying that Eric Gordon's not partly responsible because he is he's having arguably his worst season period I mean his shooting percentages this season are horrendous well
1: last year he was considered six man of the year consideration
0: yeah well I don't I don't honestly don't think his shooting percentages dipped last year. But they have taken an absolute nosedive. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if part of this is... Is him having to be a starter? Uh, uh, No, I don't don't think that's the issue. I I think some of it might have to do with He was dangled around in a lot of the Jimmy Butler in the Minnesota trades. I don't know if that messed with his head. Mm -hmm. Um, But his shooting and his overall play this year has been straight-up pathetic. Mm -hmm. And that goes for a lot of the Rockets. James Harden, you're scoring and assisting at, at your normal rates. That's awesome. Stop turning the ball over... What's, what? Every time you look at the box score, seven, eight, nine times a game. Mm-hmm. It's pathetic. Like Basketball, when you compare it to every other sport, you can tell when the chemistry is off and when people aren't trying hard. It is more evident in basketball than in any other sport mm-hmm. because you see the body language, you see the effort turn off, you see the switch go to off. and What you see with the Rockets right now is a broken team. They are not mm-hmm. trying hard. They do not want to play hard for one another, and it is very evident. You don't see the scores that are being put up against them on a consistent basis from a team that is trying. Mm -hmm. You don't see teams consistently put up 120, 130 points against another team if their opponent is trying. Haven't we had, like,
1: 30-point losses in our past, what, seven games? We've
0: been straight-up pathetic, John. It's it's, it's been... been,
1: I I, I think it's come to uh, a point... After giving up seventy points to the Jazz on Thursday night, I think that was seventy points in the paint. Excuse me. Yeah, seventy Rudy, points with, in the paint with Rudy
0: Gobert ejected for the, ejected. Of the game. Yeah, look, the Rockets have been. Those are all on outside drives. Yeah, the, they're
1: getting past the perimeter defenders. The, the, and there's the,
0: nothing to stop them. The Rockets have been an unmitigated disaster, and if we recorded this week episode a week ago, I would have talked to you about oh, you know, I'm not a fan of the switch-everything defense anymore because right now the way they're playing it, they're playing every team like the Warriors. They're having Clint Capella switch out of the perimeter, and then teams are changing up the way they attack it. They used to have those guys attack Clint, but now they're passing the ball off and attacking the paint while Clint's still guarding someone out on the perimeter, mm-hmm. which leads to the god-awful defensive rebounding and the god-awful paint defense we've seen so far because we've got freaking P.J. Tucker defending the rim and trying to guard—or James Harden trying to guard the rim. and It just doesn't freaking work. But— that's not the, that's not my issue anymore. Okay. My issue now is just it's simply effort. It's not good enough at any level, offensively, defensively, every it's just all gone to crap. Mm-hmm. Everything's gone to crap and at this point to me this season is seriously in jeopardy and if it doesn't get better in the next 5 games then Dunskies. it's 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 basically a lost cause. It's done. It's
1: La- last year we were a top 8 defense. This year we're
0: currently ranked 25th. Yeah, we're ranked 20, 25th. 25th! Yeah. yeah, and our defensive rebounding rates are even worse. I want to say we're 27th or 28th. We can't rebound the ball to save our lives, and that's where a lot of the defensive issues are coming we're from. We're dead last in bench points. Yeah, no. Our, the bench is dry! Yeah, the bench has been terrible. There, there are issues up and down the roster. Daryl Morey, unfortunately, is the one who needs to come, come to the front and answer for a lot of these problems. All right. Because, frankly, he's done a piss-poor job of getting this team... Where they need to go. We were a game away from winning the Western Conference and eventually winning an NBA title because there's no way in hell that Cleveland Cavs teams beats our Rockets Mm -hmm. team from last year. But moves that he has made are simply not good enough.
1: Speaking of Daryl, all right, I have a question for you. Is it possible that Daryl being obsessed, literally obsessed with beating Golden State, seems that we're trying to win like Golden State when we don't have Golden State-type pieces? I... Do you, do you think at all no, that I, him being obsessed with I it is caused? Anything? John, I'm going to be
0: honest. I don't even see where you're coming from. Are you talking okay. about getting mellow, trying no. to create like a group of stars? Because our game is nothing like Golden State. We play a completely different brand mm. of basketball. So I
1: just think that honestly, if the shot, and we, we've talked about this in, in the past. When the shots don't fall, the Rockets don't win. yeah, but that goes
0: for like that goes for like ninety nine percent. I know, I know know
1: that. I know, I know that. But the thing is, it feels like we're so dependent upon that, and that it's just like, all right, we're just gonna lob it in. No, we won, we won
0: plenty of games last year where we didn't shoot that great. Mm -hmm. That's that's not the issue. The issue right now is effort and the the effort and the mental fortitude of this team is absolutely non existent. They've got the mental fortitude of a wet sheet of toilet paper. The minute something goes wrong, it just completely falls apart, tears into pieces. And that's some cheap toilet paper, man. It's it's honestly just really sad to see. But I think that probably the biggest thing Trevor Reza brought to this team last year was some increased mental fortitude. Hmm. Uh, Someone who would stand up to a challenge right now that there's not a single person in that locker room. Chris Paul might be that type of guy. But if you're by yourself and you're the only one standing up, it doesn't really make a difference. And frankly, his play has fallen down significantly from the level he was at last year he's turning the ball over at levels that we've never seen in his entire career it's it's just a damn hot mess Mm -hmm. and frankly I've given up on their season I've given up on their season at this point for me what I would like to see them do is just pack it up call it in because at this point at best where are they a 45 win team I don't even think that (laughs) I don't even think we're even close to forty five wins. Well Well at best Yes, that's what I'm saying. Best. So so at best, this team is a forty five win team that maybe scrapes in the playoffs as a seven or eight seed. Mm. And to me, there's no point in doing that. There's there's not a point in the world in doing that or going through that process. So if you if that if that's where we're gonna end up, what we desperately need is we need some young athletic know who we talent. Need? Zion. Um, he's let's not tank, baby. He, he's not the player. Let's I Let's tank for Zion. But I am not against having just a blow it up season and then come back next year with a James Capella. Maybe Chris Paul's here. Hopefully, he's here and he's hopefully a good rookie. And say like, let's say we get lucky and end up with the top three pick and get a Cam Reddish, who's a. Fantastic wing player out of Duke who can shoot the lights out of the ball. Mm -hmm. That's the exact type of player we need. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying just throw the whole season away, but if it doesn't get better pretty soon, I would throw it away. Because, look, frankly, I'm going to keep watching, but I've already given up. Yeah. Well, deep sigh. Deep sigh.
1: Well, Last little bit of news that we have is a UFC fight tonight. Biggest UFC featherweight fight that we've had in some time. UFC 231 off in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Max Holloway versus Brian Ortega. Uh, Co-main event is uh, Yon Ionjacek, former women's strawweight champion, versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko coming off of a a very close uh, fight in her last bout. Obviously, uh, Joanna in... Valentina fought, I believe, three times before in the World Muay Thai Championships. Um, so they're both very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to watch it as soon as I'm done working my radio shift. Andrew, any closing thoughts?
0: Go Texans. Go Texans, baby. That's all I got. Drink it's that Kool-Aid, baby. Sure, telling ain't any other teams playing right now in the city we're supporting.
1: So. Shout out Liberty White. Shout out Battle Red. Shout out Deep Steel Blue. Yeah.
0: Just all I want to see from my teams is that they give effort and play play hard. Play hard. They play hard and they show some heart. And I've seen everything but from the Mm. from the Rockets, and that's all I've seen from the Texans is a whole lot of heart and a team that never gives up. So
1: respect, respect. All right, guys, you can follow us anytime on Instagram at Breaking Into the Business, on the Twitter at BitbyPod. You can follow Andrew at hyped up Andrew. You can follow me at Johnny Toporone. Big thanks to the boy Harrison producing the show today. Shout out my boy. Producing air quotes. Air quotes. Thank you very much, Harrison. Thank you for uh, hitting the record button. We love you. We love you. Until next time, peace.